Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to El Tell and John's La Liga Weekly. This week entitled, Be Careful What You Wish For. For example, Valverde, you're useless. 1-0 against Valladolid. Boring. New contract. You should go to prison. And so, over at Real Madrid, the great pleasers of crowds take heed of such fury and at 1-0 up with 25 minutes to go, make absolutely certain it doesn't stay that way. Boring, boring Barca are seven points clear. Are you sure you want Kike Setien? Atletico a second, they gave a new contract to Diego Simeone and then celebrated with a scrappy 1-0 win over a team from the bottom six. How cynical, you're anti-football, you'd never catch Barca doing that. Hopefully, Terry will say something sensible on this subject very soon. Uh, but first, congratulations to Sergio Ramos. Years of dedication has paid off. The first man to 20 La Liga red cards, 25 in all. He signed for Real Madrid one year after fellow centre-back Jonathan Woodgate, who didn't get as far as 20 appearances. Ramos will be suspended next week. Gareth Bale could also be banned for his naughty gesture in the derby last weekend. Anything less than three games and Real Madrid are expected to appeal for a longer one. <laughs> Elsewhere in La Liga, Real Sociedad beat Leganes, although I missed kickoff and spent five minutes thinking the teams were the other way round. Celta Vigo's hierarchy told Miguel Cardoso to relax and not worry about his job. Miguel, when they say that, they don't mean it. They're just trying to make you feel better. If you keep on getting battered by the likes of Levante, you'll get sacked. Uh, but maybe they could reappoint Antonio Mohamed. The new manager, old manager, bound seems to be working just fine for Villarreal. Uh, Terry Gibson has distant voice from afar this week. He's in Barcelona for La Liga TV. All that way, and they still watch it on the tele. Uh, uh, we will record another uh, European midweek preview, so we'll have a look back at all of the European games uh, in that, which gets me off the hook for explaining why Ajax were much better than I promised. Uh, Terry, uh, hello. Can you hear me? How is Barcelona? <laughs> it's very good. It's uh, it, uh, it, very intense. I, I, no one loves Spanish football more than me, um, but for the second week running, at the moment, I'm on a 100% success rate in watching every single game in, in its entirety. So it's uh, been an interesting weekend, to say the least. You're like Marcelo Bielsa, but without the 20 kids <laughs> watching the games for you. I'm sitting <laughs> on a blue bucket in front of a <laughs> watching 10 back-to-back games in La Liga. But no, it's a, a weekend that's thrown up a, a few surprises. And I think we we talked about the predictions last week and we didn't bother with the, the, the <laughs> three top teams because... We assumed that they were looking at those fixtures. Oh, Barcelona would beat right via the Leeds. Atletico might be tough, but they'll still win comfortably at Rio. And then Real Madrid playing Girona, who haven't won ten in ten games and lost the last four. Um, so we assumed those three were going to be straightforward wins, and it won't be much fun having a, a little cup-friendly competition to see who could predict that those three teams would naturally win. So that hasn't proved to be the case this weekend. 
It certainly hasn't. Uh, Craig, uh, he's asking a question. I can answer this one, Terry. He says, Barca win a squeaker. Headlines say they're in trouble. Uh, then Real Madrid lose to bottom of the table. Girono. Are we living too much from game to game and missing the bigger picture? Yes, we are, Craig. That's how it works. But we've got a living to make. And if, if it's not that, then we'll have to talk about Brexit. So, yes, we will, we will carry on living from game to game and drawing too big a conclusion uh, from, a, from a small amount of evidence. Where do you want to start, Terry? Shall we start with Barcelona, since you're there? Uh, obviously, uh, they, they announced Valverde's contrast, uh, contract uh, is being extended. It was more of a fuss than I thought it would be. Um, I'll get your view on it, and then uh, I'll read some of the some of the comments uh, that we've that we've had. Um, is it a big deal there? Um, I mean, do, when you're there, are people talking about Barcelona? Obviously, you're working with people who were there working in TV all the time, aren't you? So you're in a bit of a in a bit of a bubble. But so, what, what did you make of, of Valverde, and, and what, what's the word on the street? Well, I, in my opinion, I, I'm not entirely sure what the word on the street is. I think in the media, I think they are looking at it upon the fact that what was the choice. Um, and I, I tend to agree because, in, in my opinion, he's a safe pair of hands and he's formed good relationships with superstar players at Barcelona where he has come unstuck. I mean, it's hard to be critical of a manager who only lost three games last season and won a domestic double. But we know in this world that we live in now, if Barcelona don't win the Champions League, and in particular if Real Madrid do win the Champions League, then that manager is going to come in for criticism. But if you look at his last season's performance, I think they lost to Espanyol in the Copa del Rey, but they won the second leg. They lost to Roma in the Champions League in the second leg and lost to Levante. And this is a manager who took over and his first two games, he got thrashed by Real Madrid in the, in the Spanish Super Cup. And we thought... It was the turn. I mean, I remember Gerard Piquet saying this is the first time in his career at Barcelona he'd ever felt inferior to, to Real Madrid. So that's been a complete turnaround. Now, do Barcelona want someone comes in and, and rocks the boat or do they like the safe pair of hands? And, 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 a, and a really good coach as well. He, he knows his stuff. And, and it's, I think people underestimate how difficult it is for a manager to turn up at a club like Barcelona who... And then gain the respect because he'd been manager of Espanyol and Atletico Bilbao, I think it was Olympiacos. Um, for him to, to walk in and, and man manage the likes of Suarez and Messi and Busquets and Gerard Piquet and players like that. And it appears that they all are content. I don't know if they're all entirely happy, but they're content. There isn't any unrest. There's never been any unrest. So I, I, I get exactly why. He, you know, Barcelona have chosen it. And at this particular time, just prior to the, the Champions League starting again for Barcelona, it, it's, it's a sign of, you know, just keep things as they are on an even kill. And that's the type of manager he is. So I, I, I don't really see the fuss in people why they're so critical of him. But I guess that's just the nature of the world we live in. When you support a club like Barcelona, you're never in, not, not allowed to win a game. You have to play well in every game. I agree at the moment their form isn't good. The last three or four games they've dropped. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see if they're capable of switching that form back on again because they're going to need to play better than what they did at the weekend and in the three games prior to that. So interesting time for Barcelona. But I think the, the Champions League is where he's going to make or break the Valverde and whether it's going to be this season or next season remains to be seen.
I think it's important to draw a line between Twitter reaction and real reaction, isn't it? And there's a danger. I think in all walks of life, uh, from you know, from television to politics to football and everything, people they look at what's happening on Twitter and say, "Oh my word, there's a storm." But when you actually speak to people, most people, I think, have that view. I think that's probably a big majority view. It's a bit unexciting, but he's done all right. I'll, I'll read you a few. Uh, Pete, for example, says, Valverde's a decent guy, which matters, done a good job. Uh, like some, I feel they aren't as exciting as they used to be. Uh, Ajax, for example, against Real Madrid, looked more uh, exciting. Craig, surely the one thing that served uh, Barcelona well over the years is consistency. He's pragmatic. Uh, I'll start disliking, disliking pragmatism when we stop being top of the league uh, with trophies uh, in the bank. So you know, that's the positive. Uh, but, for example... Chigipto, who's a Barca fan, Setien is out there. So that that's the name when I when I went on Twitter, funnily enough, uh, and said, "What's where, where, What would you do? What's the alternative?" And people wanted Kike Setien uh, with a better set of players and just to be more exciting. Because if we move on to the Valladolid game, I mean, they got there. Valladolid are a good, hard-working, well-organized team, oh, but it was it was hard work, wasn't it, watching it? It was. It was kind of game that I felt that Barcelona didn't take serious. Mm. That in the fact there were so many opportunities to to score goals, and there seemed this obsession in the game last night to to almost walk the ball in the net, or to pass to a teammate to set a teammate up for a goal. I mean, Suarez was Luis Suarez was guilty when he came on of doing it on two or three occasions. There was one volley at the far post. He should have just gone straight for goal, but he tried to. Side footy across goal, and I think it was possibly possibly because Gerard Pico was making his 300th La Liga appearance for Barcelona, and he was the the player that would have been there for the tapping. There was there was times where people were through on goal when they chose, which often happens to to pass the ball to Lionel Messi, and I don't think he's the type of player that will go ranting and raving at players if they don't pass him the ball when he's got a chance of scoring a goal. I think he's in pursuit of trophies and honours. The goals naturally come for him. But I'm talking about the likes of Kevin Prince Boateng, um, Arturo Vidal. They, I think they feel it it carries favour with Lionel Messi. If they are helpful to him on the pitch, then it might give them more chance of, of playing more football at Barcelona. But I'm pretty sure it doesn't work like that. Um, so I, I thought they were wasteful. First half was a continuation of last week's poor performance against Athletic Bilbao. In the second half, they did create a lot more chances. But we're wasteful, including another penalty missed by, by Lionel Messi. Uh, Tapiwa asks a good question. Uh, this will move us on to Atletico. He says, uh, is being able to win ugly an underrated trait? And uh, yeah, it takes us on to Atleti, doesn't it? A 1-0 win away to to Rayo. Uh, with, I don't want to discuss a load of VAR again, but, you know, obviously both, both uh, club accounts on Twitter are tweeting VAR pictures and, you know, there, there we go again. But they got there in the end, Atleti. Yeah, I think it's a trait to win ugly occasionally. Um, but Atletico Madrid are doing it on a regular basis. And also that trait to win ugly shouldn't really apply when you've got one of the most expensive squads assembled in this league and around Europe. I mean, you look at the three centre-forwards that ended up playing yesterday, Costa, Griezmann, Morata. The, the other players that Atletico Madrid have brought in, in, in not only this summer, in the previous transfer windows... And, and I, I think that I'm really pleased that Simeone's staying because I think that likewise at Barcelona, what if with Valverde and Simeone, Valverde in particular, if I just go back to him, look at the consequences if you get a decision to bring in a manager and it's, it goes horribly wrong. With mm. Valverde, that hasn't happened. It hasn't gone horribly wrong. 
And I think he's managed to, to manage the club and manage the team, manage above him. He's managed a group of players. But with Simeone now, I look at it and I think it, the next stage is, is definitely there now for Atletico. And I understand why they've gone with Simeone to sign a new deal. It's an obvious decision to make. But he has been given pretty much everything he's wanted in the last three or four years in terms of transfer targets. He's been allowed to discard players that have been brought into the club that have cost a lot of money that we tend to forget about. Um, and now the latest one, Morata being brought in on loan from Chelsea, an expensive loan. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, Diego Costa's returned. So there, there are no excuses now for Atletico Madrid. They're no longer the, the underdogs with a smaller budget than Barcelona and Real Madrid. He wanted Griezmann, he got Griezmann. He wanted to keep Griezmann when Barcelona wanted him. And Atletico paid more money than Barcelona. So that's the, the extent that Atletico have, gone, Atletico have gone all out to please Simeone. Now I think that the time for winning ugly at Raya Vallecano and the, and the grounds like that is OK now and then. But I, I don't think it should be on a regular basis, which has been happening quite frequently this season for Atletico Madrid. Uh, let's let's talk about Real Madrid, of course. I mean, that's the the other two got away with it, didn't they? They they were all playing teams that we thought they'd beat comfortably. Um, Real Madrid seemed to be doing that until the 65th minute, but well, actually, a little bit before that, and then Girona suddenly turned on the style and looked like Girona from from last season. And they had a spell in the game where they were playing super football, and Courtois made a couple of saves, and they and they got their reward. They did, and I think it was an element. I mean, this is a team that's. 10 without a win and lost their last four. And we're 1-0 down at the Bernabeu and we're being outplayed. And at half-time, you kind of thought, my feelings were Girona are fortunate it's only one. Mm. And because it's only 1-0, they're still in the game. You know, they could have kept it to 1-0 with 10 minutes to go, get a set piece, that type of scenario. What I didn't expect was two positive substitutions at half-time for the manager, a change in tactics. They got encouragement quickly in the second half from the, the changing style from Eusebio by immediately going, playing on the front foot and, and it completely knocked Real Madrid out of their stride from going in their comfort zone, winning 1-0 at half-time, being relatively untroubled at the back and all of a sudden they were chasing back towards their own goal. Paul Tu was flying down the right. Lozano was a good substitute to have. The player we've seen play centre-forward, tall player. He was playing up against Odria Zola and the crosses kept coming in from the right wing where Paul Tu was getting the, getting the better in Marcelo. He wasn't getting much help from players ahead of him. And then the cross to the far post, Audrey Azola didn't have much answer to the aerial challenges of Lozano and Stuani was pulling away to that post as well. So that was clearly something they spoke about at half-time. They obviously, before the game, wasn't sure who was going to be playing in the full-backs position. It could be Regalon and Carvajal. But when it was Marcelo and Audrey Azola, it's something at half-time they clearly identified that they could perhaps get down the right, get the crosses in and make the most of it at the far post. But they, they fought like Tigers in the second half. And, and, and by the end of the game, they, they deserved that win. I mean, Paul Two hit the post. We, the other goal map scrambles. They played with skill. They played with pace. It wasn't just get the ball forward, get it crossed. It was a, a, a really exciting performance from Girona in the second half. And one that leads you to wonder why they, last week they lost 2-0 at home to bottom club Huesca and that's just this this crazy world of football that they go from that as I said four straight defeats outplay the European champions in the second half and win by two goals to one and thoroughly deserved it in the end 
Uh, it's a particularly strange season, isn't it? It's, it's uh, fun, but uh, but a little bit bonkers. Uh, Zen Green Yoda's been in touch. In fact, he's been in touch quite a lot this week. He's, 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 had, he's got a lot of his chest. Uh, I'll give you the taste of it. On the podcast, I have a major question. Address Florentino Perez's responsibility for the current malaise of Real Madrid squad. Letting Ronaldo leave was unacceptable. Our greatest ever player who erased our mistakes. Um uh, yeah, so basically that is basically the, as, as the squad gone to pot and Ahmed asks a decent question I don't understand he says it's not really a question uh, how Hazard is supposed to reinvigorate this Madrid team they need to sign proper personalities who stand up in times of toughness well, I think Hazard would be a, a good a great signing for any big team in Europe he is the, of that quality is he that type that Real Madrid need I mean, Isco wasn't involved today. Asensio came back into the team. That was an opportunity for him to get some fitness back. We've seen Gareth Bale on the bench. Vinicius was on the bench today. Lucas Vasquez. They seem to have a surplus of very similar players fighting for the same positions. So would Hazard coming in? I, I assume then that would mean that players would have to leave. I can't see Hazard dropping into midfield and playing them one, one of the midfield positions. But I think likewise, like we, we said about jumping... You know, jumping the gun when it comes to the reputations of teams on a weekly basis. Yesterday, the talk was how good Real Madrid have been and how well they've been playing and the fantastic job that Solari is doing. I think today, in fairness, we, we did see in the second half the hallmark of a team that are prone to that type of performance. And that's not just this season. It's been the last two or three seasons. Um, but they do raise their game when they come to the big big matches in general and um, Champions League in particular, of course. And they do take their foot off the gas when they do come a cropper in games like they did today when they were comfortably at 1-0 up at half-time, should have been outside from the Girona. And then we see the same old errors and mistakes and the anxieties you get from Real Madrid when things start to go against them. For example, Ramos getting booked, giving away the penalty, getting a second yellow card. I thought Courtois was probably at fault, and I'm a big admirer of Courtois, but possibly for the winning goal, I thought the shot from Lozano didn't carry much power. And Courtois should have pushed it away into mm-hmm. a less dangerous position than straight to, to pull two. So it was, we saw Casemiro, one of his games where he starts to get carried away and he loses his discipline, loses his, his sense of his role in the team when things start to go too well for him. He, he's better when he's he's up against it and he's a fight for his position and he wants to play that sensible holding midfield role, give the ball to Sabias today, Tony Crows, let them do the, the attacking play. But again today, because it was a stroll in the first half for Real Madrid, he starts getting caught out of position. Marcelo didn't have much help in front, but his defending wasn't particularly great. So we see the usual traits that we do see when, when Real Madrid do come a cropper. And, and in terms of personalities, I think they've got personalities. I mean, they've lost a massive personality in Ronaldo. But I would say that Ramos Varane, in his own way, is a, is a personality. He's got the experience of being in that team. He might be quieter and unassuming, more unassuming and not as ill-disciplined as Ramos. But he's still a huge personality. Carver holds full of experience. Tony Kroos, Luka Modric, who was suspended today, Benzema, there's still big personalities in that club. And it's it's hard to identify where exactly they need, what type of player they do need to strengthen them and make them more consistent on a regular basis in La Liga in particular, because they just haven't done that. I think two titles in the last 10, that's nowhere near good enough, but it's counter 
acted by the fact that they, they keep winning the Champions League. So it's it's a hard one to call at the moment. Solari was at the weekend before the games. They were saying Simeone's got a new deal. Valverde's got a new deal. When's Solari going to get his new deal? Well, we know the reaction is going to be tomorrow in the in the press and in and, and the media in Spain that, that won't be happening now. But it, it can't all change that quickly from game to game. But when you manage a Real Madrid, Barcelona, Atletico in this division, that's how quickly it does change. Uh, last question on Real Madrid before we have a break. Uh, Daryl, Marcelo's bags packed already? Question mark. But do Juve really need him? Well, if Juve do want him, and he's, he's going to have to start playing better than what he has done. I mean, it's been ongoing this because I think Ronaldo said in the press that he wanted his friends Marcelo to come and join him. Uh, I'm hoping professional football doesn't work like that. Hmm. None of my mates asked me to a club <laughs> to buy me. Um, but it doesn't. The natural fact is. So Real Madrid, they might want to go try to do as much as possible to, to please Ronaldo. Um, but why would Marcelo be desperate to leave Real Madrid unless a longer contract to Juventus, who don't tend to mind giving older players deals? Um, but I think in current on his current form, and I, 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 I'm not a massive fan of Marcelo. I must be honest. I think going forward, it, it, there's so much to admire from his game. But as a defensive left back, if you have to defend, which you have to do occasionally, even a left back for Real Madrid. I've always felt there was a mistake there and I felt exactly his positional play isn't good. And, and unfortunately, in my opinion, it has never improved. But he's an exciting fullback going forward. And then what I should also add, and it's important, that how pivotal he has been, that style of left-back, whether you like him or not, to the success that Real Madrid have had, in the, particularly in the Champions League. I mean, a couple of La Liga titles, Copa del Rey, he's won everything there is to, to win with Real Madrid. So I find it a, a little bit... Sad, actually, that it, if his career is coming to an end at Real Madrid this season, that he's he's coming in for so much criticism. Yes, players go through bad spells, but the, the way that he's been criticised, left, right and centre, and being made to scapegoat, even today there was an element of people blaming him for the result because they lost because he was in the eleven. But I, I think there's there's a lot more to it than the, the inconsistent form of Real Madrid this season than, than just the poor form of Marcelo. So... I think a lot of the criticism he's getting is is undeserved. And uh, to answer Daryl's question as well, obviously they've got Alexandro, haven't they, at uh, Juventus, who is an attacking Brazilian left back. So in the same mould, a little bit younger and a little bit, I think, a little bit more sprightly probably at the moment as well. Uh, so who knows? Could be could be a deal to be done there. Shall we take a break? Uh, don't forget to tell your friends uh, that we're here. Subscribe and rate us. We need your support. We need you to be uh, our marketing department. And we're back talking about the rest of La Liga in a moment. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired a soap opera star. Gracious me, my car has storm damage and I've had to file a claim. Could it possibly get worse? Will my claims team leave me for someone else? Someone less intense? Um, no. Actually, when you file a claim with GEICO, you get your own dedicated claims team who promises to stay with you throughout the process. Oh, I've never known such loyalty. I can't wait for the second season. Geico. Great service without all the drama. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with Geico, we hired fitness celebrity Billy Blanks. Okay, everybody. Our car just got a broken windshield. How about we blow off some steam? Now punch. Now kick. Uh, Mr. Blanks, there's no need to be stressed. 
Geico makes it easy to file a claim online, on the app, or over the phone. Yeah, but what if I never hear back? That's going to make me want to go jab and jab. Uh, nope. Your Geico claims team is always there for you. Okay, do I still get my post-workout protein shake? Sure, Billy. Geico. Great service without all the drama. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys? Let's go! I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why didn't you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Enjoy. Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Welcome back to LTL and John's La Liga Weekly with John uh, in our secret headquarters in London and uh, Terry in Barcelona with his finger on the pulse of Spanish football, uh, where he has watched nine games this weekend, which is <laughs> frankly lazy. You should have watched tomorrow night's game already, Terry. I don't know what, you, don't know what you're playing at. I'll, I'll tape it. <laughs> uh, right, let's get on to the rest of the questions, shall we? And look at the rest of the league uh, as we go along. Uh, Matthew uh, says, how many teams are realistically in the race for four? Daniel, great result for Sevilla midweek, but how much uh, does does their Europa League uh, give Alaves and Hetafe the chance of making the top four? Obviously, Hetafe are bottlers, Terry. They they blew it, didn't they? Two nil up against Abar <laughs> uh, in, in, in the, the battle of the old British teams. Uh, and then they they came back to to two two uh, a bar. Sevilla got hammered by by Villarreal. Uh, very strange, wasn't it? And then Alaves decent result away to Betis. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at the the, the position that we thought was going to be. We thought it was a straight fight. Then we between the top four. At one stage, Real Madrid were out of the top four. Yeah. Sevilla then sort of consolidated their place, but they're in a poor run of form, and and in particular Sevilla's run of form away from home. Yet again, do you, do you remember a couple of seasons ago, I think it was in Emery, they went a whole season or a year without winning yes. and away. Well, kind of it slipped by sort of everyone's attention at the moment that I think they've lost, looking at the, the form now, they've lost seven games, six of them have been away from home. Only lost one at home. So they've always traditionally been stronger at home, but they should be picking up more points. So hence one of the reasons why I, I thought that because of this away form, that VRL would stand a chance of beating them in, in today's game. But when I look down the table, I think even though Valencia disappointed with a home draw against Espanyol, another draw, it's a ridiculous stat now of 14 draws. Nine of them have been at home as well. Then I would go down as far as Valencia, Betis, Real Sociedad, who have got real momentum, Alaves, Hetafe and Sevilla. Any of those could finish in the fourth position. So even though Valencia have struggled and have really made making hard work of it, they're only five points behind. They've got 14 games to go. If they were to turn those draws into victories, you look at Valencia's form, they've only lost four games all season. Then there's a potential there that you know they, they can make that gap up, a five-point gap, 
over Sevilla from fourth to ninth is is certainly doable for for Valencia. So Betis Alaves will be pleased with the the point of Real Betis, despite the fact they had a, an opportunity to also to go into the top four. Atafe, of course, will be disappointed because they were two two goals ahead and. Abar suffered a comeback last week when Sevilla got back in the dying moments of the game and scored two late goals. And this time it was Abar who got back, got two goals. Charles Diaz, who's 12 goals this season in, in La Liga for Charles. And to my recollection, he hasn't been the indisputed, undisputed starter up front for Abar. They, they swap it around the three of them, don't they, with Kike, Sergi Emric and Charles. So for him to get 12 goals in the league at the age of, I think it's 34 now, is is is, is outstanding this season from from him. Uh, and the VAR played a part in that. We, let's, we won't go into VAR on that well, one. No one appealed for. Yes, uh, <laughs> it, it's well. I, 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 I'm hesitate. I don't know if I want. I don't know if I've got the energy to go into VAR again. Uh, it, it changes the nature of football a bit, doesn't it? I'm. I'm I'm in favour of it, but every week I watch it, I, I get more reservations coming into my mind because basically everyone keeps stopping and looking at the referee all the time, don't they? Every every time there's a challenge in the penalty area, everyone looks around and and everyone thinks, oh, we might pull that back. Obviously, there was a, a, the big case in Italy this week where uh, Fiorentina um, ended up having a penalty, having conceded a goal, which is you know the the, the worst case. Uh, scenario for for VAR and actually uh, let's we'll talk about Betis but I thought they were lucky to get the goal um, because I, I I just think the officials misunderstood the, the offside rule because uh, the defender comes back it's, it's Maripan isn't it who yes uh, and the clearance hits him and then yes. falls down to um, who scores Lacelso doesn't it yeah who hooks it into the goal from an offside position the ref says I'm giving it because it came from a defender. But the law, to me, very clearly says it's got to be, it, the defender has got to deliberately play it. Whereas having the ball hoofed at you as you're trying to recover is not deliberately playing it. So he was offside. That, yeah, but that's that's a law that we never see applied, do we? Invariably, the, the way the referees interpreted it in that game is the way that we, we do tend to see it. I've seen it on a number of occasions where we all just go, oh, come off the defender, and you're right. It has to be an intentional yeah, but, intent by the defender, but when it's whacked at you from close range, it's clearly not intentional. Um, but And the referees, the interpretation was that it was a defender playing the ball back and and awarded the goal to, to Real Betis. Yeah, and it, it clearly wasn't. Any of the questions on Betis, they're not about VAR. No, actually, to be fair, no one's asked us about VAR this week. Uh, Adam asks, why didn't it work out for Sanabria at Betis? And Callum, related, uh, says, what is missing with Betis going forward? Well, I, looking at Betis's team, it, it, interesting to see Hesse back as well. And, and he looks like he's taking the first steps to actually recovering some form. I thought he looked fit, sharp and worked hard. Um, Diego Lainez was playing pretty much alongside him. Kike City, and in keeping with his whole philosophy of how he wants the game to be played, is collecting an assortment of very talented all-round footballers that don't specialise in a particular position. Right. So to play in his open cosmic football system, you've got a great first touch, good passing, you can receive the ball under pressure. You can dribble with the ball. You have all those attributes. But at times, it took until late in the game that he put on Sergio Leon on Loren Moran, who are specialist centre-forwards. 
Now, it, is it going to be interesting to see? Lainez uh, looks a, a really exciting talent for 18 years old. Jesse, there was nothing wrong with his performance tonight, but the, 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 the team lacked a recognised specialist striker. So, Sanabria, I think, guess bringing players in. Betis haven't got the money that Barcelona and Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid and, and even Sevilla have got. They're going in the right direction in terms of building the club. So I guess if players come into the club in the in one transfer window, they may they're still in a position I think where they have to to allow players to leave as well to balance the books. And with the style that Setien has, Germany only plays one up front anyway. So to have three decent centre forwards in Leon, Loren Moron, and Sanabria. I think it was an obvious conclusion that one of them would have to go and, and someone wanted Sanabria. So that's the reason why. But that, that's my feeling with Setien and Betis, how you know how he wants to play the game where a player in any position on the pitch can play in any position and and make use of the ball, be comfortable with the ball. And he, he's taken it right to the nth degree to, to see if he can do it tonight without what I would call a recognised striker. Uh, let's move down to the bottom of the table then. Gav says, when, he says, when, Huesca beat Athletic on Monday, who do you see heading for the drop? Which takes us on to uh, questions about Celta Vigo. You might say Celta Vigo. Uh, Celta Vigo question simply from the history boys abroad. What happened to Celta? I mean, literally, they lost 4-1 at home to Levante and Yago Aspas was injured. He was injured, but he was amongst the subs. Yeah. But at any stage of the game, he... he... I think what I can find out is that he put, he volunteered, put himself up in case of an emergency, but it, it never really got close enough that he could do 20 minutes at the end with Celta Vigo having a chance of, of getting something from the game. So it was a dreadful day all round. I didn't realise that Cardoso had already been sacked this season and none. Yes. After yeah, eight yeah. Days, I didn't realise that. That completely slipped my notice. So I would be surprised if he survives the, the week. I feel for him slightly. I think that the player recruitment hasn't been great. I look at the players they allowed to leave that served them well. Johnny Otto in particular um, is one of the defenders. Strange they've even allowed Ron Callier to leave. He was playing for Valencia today. They were clearly a far better team than Celta Vigo. So they're making use of him. Sergio Gomez left pretty cheaply and went to Sevilla and is playing, has been playing most of the season. The players they brought in are not as good. And when you look at the, the, the manner of the goals Levante scored, how easy was it for Morales to score two goals straight down the middle of the central centre-back? No opposition whatsoever. And it was a, it was a horrible display from Celta Vigo. Budaboo's getting himself sent off on his debut. That doesn't help things either. So at the moment, the big story going into the weekend was Celta and Villarreal. They're the two I think we expect down the bottom to suddenly find form. And a couple of seasons ago, Celta were in the Europa League semi-final and almost beat Manchester United. VRL is currently in this year's Europa League. So they're the two big surprises. Um, an improvement for VRL, obviously, but for Celta Vigo, it, it, things are just not getting any better. So do they make the decision to... It would be a last throw of the dice to, to go with a, another manager, a third change. They're making too many changes at the top since Barizzo left. Juan Carlos and Zui had a season, which he didn't do too bad, did he? And he got the sack. Um, Antonio Mohamed come in. He didn't last long. Now we've got Cardoso. Who's going to be next? I, I don't know. I did see Barizzo is linked with a Paraguay job because I did wonder if they make the decision this week to change whether he was available for Celta Vigo. Well, he, no, so, he can't, can he, this season? 
Baritza, who oh no, good, yeah, yeah. I forgot he'd be manager of Athletic Bilbao. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, I was with all the experts in La Liga today, and no one mentioned that. Oh right, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, forgot about that completely. Uh, so some managers do have a spell as manager of a club, and it's so brief. Yeah, you do actually forget that they're ever there. Yeah, good point. So, the, so uh, he's yeah. got a way still to be go. Um, so who is going down? Um, if, 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 oh, oh, no idea. <laughs> Good answer. I, I think two, three weeks ago, I, I was saying West had no chance, but they clearly do now, although the results haven't gone in their favour over the last couple of weeks. We've, despite them winning, other teams above them have started picking up points as well. It means you're only winning today. Villarreal winning today hasn't helped. Athletic play tomorrow against Wesker. Espanyol got a, a, a decent draw against Valencia today. Nick to win last week. Rio... We thought they were on the up, and they've lost three on the trot now. Um, it is, it's a tough one to call. I mean, you look at Girona's recent form, has been dreadful, but they win at Real Madrid. Vidalid would be a concern. I think they, they're the lowest scorers in the league. They don't score enough goals. Um, I'm not sure there's enough of a, a plan B there from Sergio, the coach, to make them more expensive. Um, so their runoff form, despite a, a decent start, sort of seen them slip down the table. It's a tough one to call. It's, I was looking at last season, 29 points was the third from bottom, Deportivo. That's what they went down with. Um, Malaga got 20. I think the last Palmas, 22. You look at the bottom this season, only Huesca are below those with 18. We've got 14 games to go. Rivai, Cano, Villarreal on the bottom three. They've got 23 points already. So I've, I can't even work out or begin to guess how many points this season it's going to take it reminds me of that season when Betis went down, I think with 42 points, 43 points, and we had about seven teams in the last day of the season. All could have gone down, and we had this you know, this, the scenario of mini-tables and head-to-heads. And I think it's going to be exactly like, like that this season. Most of the teams in the league don't know whether they're going for Europe or in a relegation battle. Hmm. And it's, it's, as you said, you described it correctly, it's a bonkers league this year. Uh, right, two more. Well, actually, one one comment. Er, uh, lads, it says, has there ever been a player who can play a sixty yard pass with as little physical effort as William Carvalho? Um, uh, it's, a, it's a rhetorical question. Uh, Barca dummy, however, Terry says, with some of the best coaches and managers in the world in the EPL, uh, is La Liga succumbing to an identity, an idea free form of football? And he uh, gives. Uh, passes to Kike Setien and the anti-football, as he calls him, Simeone. So is there a lack of identity with La Liga clubs at the moment? No, I, I think the, the opposite, in fact. I think we did go through a spell where everybody had the same identity of 4-2-3-1. Apart from Barcelona, they were the ones that played 4-3-3. Then you had a couple of other managers of other clubs who had played for Barcelona during their career that followed a similar path. But most of the teams were playing this 4-2-3-1, which actually wasn't in the Premier League. When I first went to start watching Spanish football over was 15 years ago now, it was the first time I'd seen it played. The only team that were playing it in England were, was Liverpool with Rafa Benitez. Then for a spell in England, everyone started copying, playing 4-2-3-1, and then it moved away from that again in Spain. And I, I think over the years, we, we are fortunate in La Liga now to have teams with, with different identities. So... When you saw that the success of the national team in Spain playing a similar style to Barcelona, it was at a time where people wanted to, to try and emulate them and copy them. But I think what we're seeing with, with Simeone with Atletico Madrid, the way he won the league title, 
showing that it can be done with a good system of play, a basic system, where you make sure the fundamentals are adhered to in every minute of every game. They're worked on on a daily basis in training. Basic stuff like fullbacks stopping uh, wingers getting easy crosses into the box because that then makes life a lot easier for central defenders. It makes not giving the ball away in your own half of the the pitch, um, getting a cross into the box as soon as you can up the other end, concentrating on set pieces, being competitive. And I think that we've seen that. We, we didn't see any teams like that. The one direct team probably historically over the last 10, 20 years is, has always been probably Athletic Bilbao with a big, strong number nine, the likes of Fernando Llorente, now Adariz, of course. But I think we do get a smattering now of teams playing different styles. And and it's you never know what you're going to see when you see teams play at the moment. Teams like Villarreal and Sevilla playing three at the back. Girona play a, a, a nice system. They played it under Pablo Machin and they're continuing it under Eusebio. So I, I, I think there's a lot of different identities in Spanish football. It's far from one-dimensional. And and I was joking about the, the Eibar-Hatafe game being an English-style game, but it was. And, and that's how they're building their relative success on it. And, they, and they're both doing really well. So, no, I, I think there's a good um, variation of identity in La Liga now. Uh, let's have a look at the predictions as the last thing before we round up for, for this weekend look back. Mixed bag, Terry, I think we could say. Uh, you, were, you were optimistic about Celta Vigo. You had them down for a 2-0 win against Levante. Uh, far from it, of course, 4-1 defeat. Uh, <coughs> Betis, you had beating Alaves 1-0. It was 1-1. Uh, the one that you got, though, good effort this, was Villarreal to beat Sevilla. Uh, you said 1-0 and it turned out to be... Uh, 3-0, so Villarreal actually did better than expected. Um, no one got them all right, so keep going. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. It's uh, been that type of weekend, but um, I'll try and do better this week. I was I was, I was, was banking on, if I didn't get it right, nobody else would get it right. <laughs> yeah, that's it, fair enough. The, the Vanti win was the, the one that, that uh, probably spoiled it for a lot of people. I think the bookies have made a lot of money out of La Liga this season. Uh, uh, yeah. This week, Terry, uh, Sevilla against Barca. It's the UK time, 3.15 Saturday kickoff. So, Sevilla-Barca? 1-2 Barcelona. Messi amongst the goals against... Probably, is it his favourite team to play against? Yes. I yes, think that's guess, that we always yeah. see plays against Sevilla. Um, so, yes, both teams involved this week in European football. Um, is that game on Saturday or Sunday? Saturday. Saturday? Yeah. So and do Sevilla play Thursday night? They play Wednesday night oh, uh, because the, uh, Betis are also in the Europa League, aren't they? Oh, okay. oh, right. Yep. So I'll go with both teams playing in Europe, but I'll go with Barcelona 2-1. Um, it's amazing how they, they played support yesterday, but extended their lead at the top <laughs> just when we thought Real Madrid were back in it and we're going to have a a resemblance of a title race, so Barcelona can can relax a little bit more now, and I think they'll just pick that one-two-one away to Sevilla. Okay, Atleti against Villarreal. Villarreal have got a strangely good record against Atleti. Yes, they have. Um, oh, this is a tight. I'm going to go Atletico win. One nil. <laughs> it's all. It's always worth a. It's always worth a bet, isn't it? It's like. It's like when someone. When someone says yeah. a quotation, just it's just say Mark Twain. It's always a safe bet. So it's like yeah, <laughs> Atleti one nil, uh, yeah. and then uh, Levante Real Madrid. One all. Right then. Okay. I'm going to go for Levante to get a draw in that. 
Okay. They were getting close to the relegation issue, but the win against Celta would give them confidence. They're the team that do raise their game um, when they play the big teams, as they're the only team to beat Barcelona in the last season, and that was in their own stadium. So this is going to be a, a hard game for Real Madrid. And if, they're, if they're not at it, then they could come unstuck again. Okay, so if you want to join in, you have to join us on Twitter at La Liga underscore weekly. Send us your predictions. We'll uh, uh, remind us if you get them all right, and uh, we'll give you uh, we'll we'll give you uh, some some credit as well. Now uh, we are going to uh, record a midweek preview of the European shows. Uh, we're basically going to do it now because you, you, we're giving the game away anyway because Terry's obviously in, in uh, slightly uh, Skyped quality. Uh, so rejoin us for that. That will be coming out this week. We'll have a good look at all the European games. Look, look back at last week and look ahead to this week's games as well. So we'll see you for that. Thanks for listening to this. Bye-bye. <laughs>